Oh, hi, everybody. Hello, welcome. My name is Rena, and I'm so glad you're here for this second. Were you pleased when they said that? Yeah. And and I was like, I'm a door holder. Get in there. Let's go. Yes. Whoa. And, and and maybe because there's no roof, I probably 
you just they'll be like just coming in and then I'll just slam them in, slam the door in their face. <laughs> Is that your star role? I'll probably, maybe I'll probably be dressed up as a door. I don't think you're going to be a door. I think you're going to be a door holder. No, I'll have to wear like brown. Really? Yeah, probably. Excellent. That's well. That's really smart, Milo. is that that's so great i love all of this so much he's thrilled his teachers made sure they that he knew how important this role was and his mom meets his enthusiasm and just gasses him up i want to high five everybody so everyone involved in a christmas pageant wants it to go really well because it's so special there are rehearsals anticipation tradition there's a careful plan Anybody here really like a plan? Who like, who's a planner? Yep, it's good, own it. Who here thinks plans are a waste of time? Just go with the flow, man. Yep. <laughs> and who here is somewhere in the middle? I think a lot of us maybe are somewhere in the middle. I personally like a plan to set the direction, but then I'm usually okay going off script if something needs to change. I like to think I'm flexible, but I know that sometimes I can get a little bit prickly if my plan goes out the window. And some of us relate to that, too. <laughs> In the best Christmas pageant ever, things do not go exactly to plan. The movie opens with kids in Sunday school saying things that they're thankful for about the class. After a few kids give, well, Sunday school answers, a kid named Charlie is brutally honest and says he's thankful that there are no Herdman kids there. At home over dinner, Charlie gets a talking to from his parents, and we learn a little bit about the Herdmans. You say it right out loud in front of everybody? Why not, Dad? It's the best thing about Sunday school. There aren't any Herdmans there, ever. It's not a very Christian sentiment. It's a very practical one. Charlie was black and blue all last year because he had to sit next to Leroy Herdman in school. Is Leroy the worst one? They're all the worst ones. Gladys. Gladys puts worms in your lunchbox inside your sandwich. And claws in all my sandwich. Oh, come on, you guys. Six little kids, they can't be that bad. My father is wrong. The Herdmans are the worst kids in the whole history of the world. They lie and steal and smoke cigars even the girls, and talk dirty and hit little kids and cuss the teachers and take the name of the Lord in vain. They even blew up Fred Shoemaker's old broken-down tool house. Up over an old garage at the bottom of Sproul Hill. 
They spend most of their time banging the garage door up and down just as fast as they can to try and squash one another. So the Herdmans are the worst kids in the whole world. They're chaos agents. They blow stuff up, put worms in your food, and smoke cigars, even the girls. The next Sunday, the Herdmans showed up at church for the snacks. And now, through a campaign of intimidation and gutsiness, they've been cast in all the main roles in the Christmas pageant. Charlie's mom, Grace, we saw in this clip, has been thrust into heading up the pageant because the usual director break, broke her leg. She accepts the job with pretty good grace, knowing the plan and basically what to expect. But now, the Herdmans are her main cast. When the word gets around, the church lady phone tree goes bananas, and people suggest calling off the whole thing. They can't imagine how the feral Herdman children fit into their tidy tradition. But Grace says, no way. This will be the best Christmas pageant ever. I admire Grace here. She has her work cut out for her. Her volunteer, serv volunteer service just got bigger and harder. The plan is going a little off the rails. And she still does it. I've found that when the plan takes an unexpected turn, sometimes that's when I notice God more. Have you ever experienced that? As someone who, I admit, likes a little bit of a plan, it seems like God is encouraging me to trust him and not my plan. Like, Rena, don't hold on so tightly. Proverbs 16.9 reminds us, we can make our plans, but the Lord orders our steps. I appreciate that it doesn't say, how dare you make a plan? Just don't hold on so tightly. One of my favorite recent experiences like this was leading worship at the Thanksgiving giveaway. It's not like leading on a Sunday service. For starters, the worship team rehearses in this room as it's filling up with people who are coming for the Thanksgiving giveaway. Some are interested, some are chatting, some are running around. A few people will ask us random questions as we're rehearsing about the giveaway or the weather or about our gear. And then, during the program, there's a mix of folks standing, but mostly not, singing, but mostly not, and talking and doing their own thing. And that's great. I could easily get frustrated or disheartened that things aren't lining up with a plan, or that things aren't quite how I'm used to them on a Sunday morning. But then, God reminds me not to hold so tightly to my plan and that's when even more joy comes. That's when I connect more with the people here. That's when I feel like I'm really loving them with God's love. I'm learning to hold my plans more lightly. I have some faith to do that because of the character of God. In Exodus 34, 6, God proclaims himself 
Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Psalm 36, 5 echoes this, saying, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. So God loves us, and he keeps his promises. That's what faithfulness is. He keeps his promises. We can trust him. And while I lean more towards the planning end of things, I'm sure there's a mirror encouragement for folks who don't plan so much. If that's you, I can imagine God telling you, hey, let's make a plan together, and, I, and I'll partner with you in it. If you're a low-plan person and God has talked to you about something like this, I would love to hear about it. It's such a blessing to learn from other people and their experiences and how God talks to them, right? God relates to me in one way. He relates to you in one way. He relates to you in another way because he knows us so deeply and so intimately. I think that's wonderful. I believe God wants to meet us wherever we are on the planning continuum and partner with us. He's a faithful and trustworthy partner. Back at the Christmas pageant, Grace seems like a person who likes a little bit of a plan, but she proves herself to be flexible too. In the Sunday school classroom, rehearsals have just begun. Imogene is Mary, Ralph is Joseph, Leroy, Claude, and Ollie are the wise men, Gladys is the angel of the Lord, and they all have a lot of questions, as we'll see in this clip. All right, everybody, I need the shepherds over here, please. Come on, just try not to shove or push each other. And the baby angels, you're fine just where you are. You stay right there. The manger is here, and over here is our inn, everybody, all right? So remember that. Where did all the shepherds come from anyway? Audience wants to in. It's like motel. Why'd they go there? To pay their taxes. At a motel? <laughs> Shut up, Ollie. Hey, begin at the beginning. What happens first? This is the Christmas story from the Bible. The book of Luke. Luke who? You mean you've never read the Christmas story from the Bible? Well, that's what this Christmas pageant is all about. I'm going to read it to you. Sit down. It's a beautiful story. We should all hear it again. Okay. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. Why not? They don't even know what a Bible is. Into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his wife, being great with child. What's that? It means pregnant. She was pregnant. <laughs> now, children, now, now. To be I don't think Mary. it's very nice to say Mary was pregnant. So well, she was. was. It's better to say great with child. I'm not supposed to talk about and people being pregnant, especially in church. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. They didn't have room for Jesus? Well, they didn't know he was going to be Jesus. Didn't Mary know? What's a manger? Like a bed? Uh, well, no, they didn't have any bed in the barn, so Mary did the best thing she could. What would you do if you had a, a newborn baby and no bed to put him in? We'd put Gladys in the bureau drawer. 
Well, there you see, you didn't have a bed for Gladys, and so you... Oh, we had a bed. Only Ollie was still in it, and he wouldn't get out. He didn't like Gladys. Remember how you didn't like Gladys? A manger is a large wooden feeding trough for animals. What was watered up clothes? The what? You read about it. They wrapped them up in watered up clothes. Oh, swaddling clothes. Uh, people used to wrap their babies tightly with big pieces of material. You mean they tied him up and put him in a feed box? Who is the child welfare? The child welfare is at our house every five minutes. There wasn't any child welfare in Bethlehem. I'll say there wasn't. What's next? Um, there were shepherds keeping watch by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Shazam! What? Out of the black night with horrible vengeance, the mighty Gladys, I don't know what you're talking about. The mighty Marvel in Wonder Comics. No, this is the angel of the Lord who comes to the shepherds. Out of nowhere, right? In the Black Knight, right? Well, yes, in a way. Shazam! <laughs> it goes on from there through the rest of the Christmas story from the book of Luke. The herdman's reaction to the story of Herod is pretty excellent. If you're curious, definitely check that out. But yikes, these kids have a long way to go to be ready for the Christmas pageant. They don't even have the basics. At this point, it probably would have been easier and less uncomfy to call it off. This production is going to be too much hassle. It's gonna to be too unpredictable. But they don't call it off. Despite Gladys drinking the communion grape juice, and Imogene smoking a cigar and causing the fire department to come on a false alarm during rehearsal, they keep going. I admire Grace here, too. These kids were rowdy, dirty, and loud. They did not fit in with the rest of the church. It would have been easy to pretend they weren't there or say, you don't fit the roles available, sorry. Instead, she welcomed them was kind to them, and accommodated them. I would like to be better at this. Jesus calls us to love and to welcome people who don't look like ourselves, who don't act like ourselves. In Luke 6, 32 to 36, he lays it out plainly for all of us. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. For me, that's not always easy. Maybe that's not always easy for you too. Loving like Jesus is not always easy. Sometimes it's easier to see the challenges and the costs first. We might think, this is going to take longer 
I'm going to lose social capital. This is going to take relational work. And those things might all be true, but we're called to this kind of love anyway. Jesus was the ultimate example of love. Learning to love more like Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. I'd like to pray for, for us for this today, too. God, meet us where we are. Help us to love more like Jesus. Help us to show your love generously to everyone, people who look like, le look like us and people who don't look like us. Meet us where we are and help us to love more like you. Amen. Grace had all these things on the line, and she kept going. She taught the Herdmans the Christmas story, and they were invested. Because they had a different background, they experienced the story differently. And because they experienced the story differently, the pageant was different. On Christmas Eve, the night of the pageant, the church was packed. Even Mrs. Herdman was able to get a shift off of work and come to the pageant, although only the priest noticed her there. Everyone came out to see the spectacle. What would those Herdmans do? Well, Joseph stood behind Mary with his arms crossed, staring everyone down. The angel of the Lord shouted and shoved at the shepherds to get them up the aisle. And Leroy, the wise man, ran home to get their Christmas ham to give to baby Jesus because frankincense is dumb. <laughs> and it was beautiful and moving. Let's watch how it all ended. That was a riot. I don't think any shepherds. It was the best one we've ever had. I don't know. There just seems something different. Well, the angel of the Lord was certainly different. Oh, I like that. Lots of spirit. Sometimes you can't even hear the angel of the Lord. I just wish now I'd let them have Eugene to be the baby Jesus. Who was the baby Jesus? Why, it was a doll. Oh, I don't think so, Irma. It looked too real. It did seem real, as if it might have happened just that way. I told Imogen the play was about Jesus, but that's only part of it. It was about a new baby and its mother and father. We're in a whole lot of trouble. No money, no place to go, no doctor. The Herdmans didn't stay for the party after the pageant. They didn't even take any cookies or any cocoa. I don't think they took anything. Well, everybody's gone and the place is cleaned up. You ready? Almost. What about this ham? Where'd Leroy get this ham? Hazel Phillips said it was in their Christmas welfare basket. No! They wouldn't take it back. Leroy said, it's a present. You don't take back a present. I didn't argue with them. I think it's the first thing they ever gave away in their lives. Listen. It's 11.55. It's almost Christmas. Almost Christmas, kids. It's almost Christmas, Charlie. I wish Mrs. Herdman had been here to see them.
love that. Gladys is my favorite. Hey, hey, every, she, she got that it was important. That touched her. Hey, everybody, so much joy there. I love it. I think everyone that was there that night agreed that the Christmas pageant was wonderful. Why was it wonderful? Because it was different. Why was it different? Because of the Herdmans. Grace was kind and welcoming to the Herdmans. She didn't gatekeep Jesus' story. Jesus' story is for everyone. No one owns it. It's for those of us who feel like outsiders in the church. And it's for those of us who feel like it belongs to them. And because Grace allowed the Herdmans to bring themselves and their experiences to the pageant, and because she didn't allow well-intentioned plans to become exclusionary, I think God used it all to reveal new things to everyone there. It wasn't just new for the Herdmans, it was new for everybody who showed up. This, um, this radical love rippled outwards. It didn't just impact the Herdmans. It rippled outwards to everybody who was there. Last week, Pete preached about God's power to redeem. God can redeem anyone and anything. He can redeem our need for a plan. He can redeem our reluctance to welcome. He can redeem an apparently crappy Christmas pageant situation and make it the best Christmas pageant ever. How about you? Where do you need God's redemption in your life today? God wants to meet you and redeem these things. That's the whole point of Christmas. God sent Jesus to this earth to redeem humankind. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to redeem us. We need you. We love you. We want to love more like you. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up uh, and the prayer team to come forward. If you're on the prayer team, would you please come up now? And the rest of you stand and join me as you're able. I have some tips for us today, and we will transition into worship and ministry time. Any prayer team folks able to come forward? Thank you. Our tips usually take the form of a read, a pray, and a do. Our read for this week is to read the Christmas story in Luke 2 in a version you don't usually read. We can't really hear the Christmas story for the first time again. But maybe you can experience it differently, a little differently, if you read um, the message translation. Maybe you don't read that regularly. It's very conversational. Maybe things will hit you a little differently. Maybe God can reveal something new to you in hearing that story in a new way, just like it happened for the folks who were at the best Christmas pageant ever. Our pray, pray to grow in our lifelong pursuit of loving like Jesus. God can meet you where you are, and he can walk with you, and he can help you to grow in loving like Jesus. And our do is say hi to somebody who's not like you in some way 
and learn one thing about them. Think about what Jesus sees in them at the same time. Ask God to help you see that person with his eyes. Maybe it's somebody here today that you don't know that's a little different from you in some way or somebody else in your week. But say hi to somebody who's not like you and learn something about them. As we enter into worship and ministry time, we have the opportunity to come to God in prayer with our needs, our wants, our pains, and our hopes. These folks on the prayer team are trained to pray and will be confidential, and they'll pray good things for you. If you want to love more like Jesus, or if you want to experience more of God's redemption love in your life, come forward and give prayer for that. If you want to hold your plans more lightly, or if you want to make a plan together with God and partner with him in a new way, come give prayer for that. If there's any other place in your life where you need God, work, physical healing, relationships, afterwards. Bless you, friends.